0: What's up? I'm glad you're tuning in for this industry insider interview here on the 520 Collective Podcast. Big shout out to our interview sponsor, as always it is the Bookkeeper 24/7. Go check them out at tbk247.com where they are putting on for the culture. They they're looking to, you know, make sure people know what's going on within the Christian hip-hop space. Um and man, we appreciate those guys, Daryl and the team over at the Bookkeeper 24-7 So go show them love Again it's tbk247.com And joining me right now On the 520 Collective Phone line He is an artist uh, Speaker, educator, radio host A, a, a whole uh, List of things I guess And we, we can dive into those as we go But right now on the phone line with me It is Black Lick What's going on man? I am chilling
1: can't complain just trying to stay warm because it decided to get cold out here
0: yes it did man and and you're in uh you're in virginia right so it's not too far from where i'm at so i I know it's been cold here lately
1: yeah it was uh i'll never forget like a few weeks ago it was like 70
0: and then it snowed (laughs) the the following
1: day and it has a fluctuation like today is the coldest day it's gonna be a little bit higher tomorrow but yeah they, they definitely got me and uh, my, my lab is, is is hood, so I got to make sure I put the, uh, put the heat on and the right number around here. But I'm good, man. I'm good. And it's, it's a privilege to be on here, man, and talk with
0: you. Yeah, out. man. We're, we're, we're glad you were able to join us. And, um, you know, speaking, you know, we, we said you're from Virginia. And, man, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like VA, man, like, especially the more I've gotten to know some guys out that way within hip-hop like i i won't say that it's underrated in virginia but i feel like maybe for the especially the casual listener of hip-hop va kind of flies under the radar a little bit uh but there's some real talent out your way man
1: oh most definitely there's uh not only a lot of talent in in virginia i'm in richmond so you know it's it's the capital and we're considered like a a city Versus what a lot of people think would be Virginia Oh, you know, it's going to be some country space and whatnot Richmond has, in Virginia In itself, has an incredible amount of talent A lot of people who have actually shaped Hip-hop, the culture In itself, either have been in Virginia Are connected to Virginia Have family in Virginia Or uh, might actually Reside in Virginia You'd be surprised, people from like Cool Keys all the way to a lot of members of the Wu Tang clan. They all have roots that are in here that I've actually encountered. Like people. So, you know, yeah, you people like that who are known in the game and then you have I can I mean I've I'm one of the people who's lucky to have thrived through a few different generations of, of Brisbane and Virginia hip hop. And I can tell you that um there's there's so much talent that is is very much self-motivated and enthused off of their passion more than anything. And I really think that a lot of people try to say your city has to have an identity like how the Atlanta sound came or Texas sound came or anything like that. I think that for a while we, we did try to fall into that but now we've really realized that the best way that we can articulate or represent our identity is just by being extremely talented and proficient and so that's, that's, uh, that's an understatement to say that Virginia has talent man, there's just so much here and so much history and we're just starting to see it, like you saw skills on Drink Champs in 2021 and the amount of um, respect he got for the, the wrap up and the, the Jay-Z songwriting thing, like all those things that's just the tip of the iceberg man so yeah, it's, it's, and the, everybody knows each other, that's the cool part
0: yeah for sure for sure well i know man that you're just kind of your story right the, the more i've dove into it it's very interesting in your background and where you've come from but i think you know for you you know that hip-hop has been you know associated with you for for quite a long time along that journey as well and and i think you hear it whenever you're speaking right um you've got like this like kind of historian quality about you right where, where you're really keeping track of what's happening not just in you know this musical genre but you're tapping into the people right the community around you and, and that's super cool man uh, like what has like driven you to to make that an important part just of your path the uh, the, the biggest thing when I started that everybody
1: was always putting it like the number one like sense of doubt That they gave self doubt And also just people Looking at you as like You can't do that Or that's not going to work It was always ignorance it, was, it wasn't ignorance In the sense of Like behavior It was ignorance And the lack of knowledge And the lack of information Because there was a lack Of experience Because people We like, we like to idealize things And we like, we like to try to say That how we expect Something to work Is the way that it works Without actually investigating And experiencing How it does work And so I realized that If I want to do this and if I want certain things to happen for me, then I have to create those opportunities because a lot of people love to say, oh, man, there was there's no shows in VA. Or there's no this or that. And uh, if there's not, then either leave or create it. That's what it is like. You either do it or you don't. And if you leave, know that you're going to have to basically buy your way or find a way to navigate somebody else's system just to have a chance. And there's gonna be a pile of people who are already there in front of you. In Virginia, nobody was doing the things that I was doing because everybody at a certain time was hoping that somebody would come through and help us. And we realized quickly that we have to help ourselves, you know, often, especially when disappointment after disappointment takes place. And as the gap got wider in the city and in the state with the opportunities that got created, I got creative. And I was like, well, if I want to write for, if I want to be written about a magazine, I should probably write for a magazine so I know how that works. If I want to play shows, I should probably throw shows. so I know how that works. If I want to be on the radio, I should probably get on the radio and figure out how that works. Because if they're not going to let me in one way, and that's a lot of other things whose problem is they think that for them to do something, they can only be done from one position. Like, if if you want to get somewhere, you'll be a driver or you'll be a passenger. Just don't try to be a backseat driver. You know, either, if you have the drive, you either get behind the wheel or you take a seat with somebody that's actually for sure going there. And you get there and then you figure out what you're gonna do next. And that was really what, what made me take all these different courses and to put it simple after all that is to say that I had to decide to say yes. And that's what I did. My story is saying yes. My my idea Back in the day, man, when people used to message me, they'd say, well, we were wondering, and I I always tell them, I don't say no, I just say, let me know. Because if I'm just sitting at home, you're not doing anything with my time when I'm in this position where there's so much I need to be doing. I'm not doing anything with my time if I'm not out there putting in the work. So I'd rather put in the work and have the experience and then share with my people and empower them by putting them in a position to hopefully do it again and do it better than me
0: yes sir yes sir i love it man i love it and i mean and you've been able to do it you know i mean not only have you been able to become you know a very well-known artist and and, you know i heard people talking in some videos i was watching you know you're known as you know maybe the the top tier of like freestylers and stuff in in your city but man you've been able to transcend that you know i mean you 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 know let's just talk about just like what you've accomplished as an artist uh briefly because i know you've played shows with some of the biggest names in hip-hop uh just give the folks a rundown of of black lick the artist man
1: Ooh, okay so this is uh this is the a to z the Blacklick story is is really about like i said saying yes and what happened is first I started out as a guy who would go to shows and I would just freestyle. Anytime, any space that I could get, I'd freestyle. Anytime I showed up, I'll tell you straight now, I look bummy. Always mad bummy because I was mad broke, And um, I didn't care though because you just stole me solely by the way that you see me and I know you're not listening to me. So I was always focused on being myself and always putting myself out there. Even if people thought I was in a situation where they looked at me at a disadvantage, they had preconceived notions, I quickly realized that the way that I could finally uh, convince people is by not convincing them by being because if I'm always stepping up to work then you're going to find out one way or another and that led to me not only dropping a ridiculous amount of projects just independently hand-to-hand moving them whether it was for free or for fee you know over the years I released in the early phases probably uh, I think it was like 15 records like 15 albums like because I went on this whole thing where when I lost everything I recorded for nine months straight. I did a hundred songs and then I broke those all up into albums. And then the next year, every month, I went and I found people and I just, I, I moved with the CDs in my pocket and I just, I burned them. I wrote them by my hand and I passed them out. That drive and workout there got me recognized by a lot of people just off the strength of like this dude, whether his music sounds great or not, he's actually, at least he's trying. And in a lot of ways he's doing. And then when I aggressively started performing as well, And I did like 160 shows my first year because I was just like, I'll rap at any venue. Not like I'm going to go stand on the corner, but like, yo, if there's a show, I'm in there and I'm going to destroy that joint. You put me on first, third, last, or whatever. Once I do my thing, it's mine. And so I took that mentality and that got me all the way up to the point where I ended up getting the opportunity by um, saying yes to an earlier opportunity where I was supposed to perform at a uh, SPCA benefit, but it was at the big venue, the National. I took that conversation and I took the opportunity And I was very, very much into communicating with them. And so they did me a stall and they're like, hey, the Nationals looking for somebody to go for Snoop. And they were like, we can't guarantee you anything, but here's the contact. I made the contact and I always tell people, this is one of the most important things that I ever did was when the people at the national asked me why I deserve to open for Stu Dogg, I told them it's not that I deserve to open for him, it's that I'm willing to be transparent with you and tell you what I can and cannot do, and I will put 100% of myself behind pursuing this opportunity and maximizing the effectiveness and the professionalism that takes place throughout the, you know, the entire existence of this opportunity. I'm not here to, to have, I'm here to earn. And when I told them that, they were like, you know what, we're going to give you a chance. And that opportunity came with the, the problem of having to sell a lot of tickets at a very high price and being on a contract where if I didn't sell them, I'd have to pay a certain amount of money. And I had no money in my pocket, but I worked that in the streets and that led to me opening up for Snoop again, for uh, Bone Thugs twice, I opened for GMX three times, for Fabulous, for uh, Styles P, for Inspector Deck, for Raekwon, uh, Big Pooh. Uh, I headlined that venue like three or four times And then on the side of that I also created my own show series That ran for eight years Called Facing Out Friday And I threw 44 events 43 were Facing Out And then there was another one That was like a conclusion was when the venue closed It's called Brains Matter And that was the 44th event So I learned how to blueprint shows And work shows Both on, the, on a giant scale And on a lower scale And then on top of that I also, because I couldn't get on the radio which, Despite being an artist Who was very much part of Richmond's community and being known as as a publication referred to me as a pillar of Richmond's hip-hop community I got on a radio station called uh, WRI, WRIR 97.3 FM and then I also at the same time in the same week got on a, a show on another station called uh, WDCE 90.1 FM which is University of Richmond College Station so I took those two shows and I uh, started doing what people wouldn't do for me because 92.1 and, and you know the big iHeart stations, all that, they weren't trying to play somebody like me. And I uh, was like, that's cool. Instead of being resent- resentful, I was like, I'm gonna create the opportunity for people just like me who wanna be heard and, and are having a hard time penetrating the, the esoteric mountain of, uh, of commercial radio. And I've managed to create platforms that were really for artist and i leveraged those relationships also while writing for publications like RVA mag and then also working in public and private schools teaching off of the premise of my diy ethos and in my background in hip-hop and how i've used hip-hop as an element to really just continue to tell my story and and sometimes in its raw form sometimes in its most polished form but i um continue to build that and that led to me playing you know big gigs like Soundset Festival or Rhyme Stairs. I ended up landing that. I went to that first as a guest because I, I landed a... Um, I, got, I just happened to kind of get cool with a Slug from Atmosphere and he and I were talking and he invited me to come out and check it out. I went as a guest and I came back and covered it as a media person because Rhyme Stairs' story is just like anybody in Richmond trying to build. And then um, just off the strength of my work, I didn't... I, I randomly got asked to play it. And I found out Slug had nothing to do with that. And that was amazing that I was recognized for my work and my my because I was always servicing their records. I was always pushing. And that led to me doing that playing Soundset and Soundset the festival that has like 50,000 people in attendance. And, yeah, I paid a pretty big crowd of that. And then I rocked First Avenue and that was a sold out crowd there. And then I ended up um, later on, I ended up getting signed The Strange Famous after uh, under, under Sage Francis and all them after a whole lot of other things that, that went down in the pandemic happening. But I say all that to say that like, I never let what wasn't stop me from seeing what is. And that's what's allowed me to continue to um, make these records and, and to continue to thrive as an artist who isn't necessarily somebody who pulls the biggest numbers, but I pull the strongest connection because I've always been told about the power of relationships and the power of communicating. And that's why opportunities like this are awesome because i get to speak on that in a very candid fashion versus just being like my album came out it's on a strange famous record it's called time is the price yeah i want you to listen to my album yeah i want you to hear my story but i want everybody to see how important it is that they tell their story too and that's that's really what the summation of my entire career whether it be the ted talk or playing a big show or releasing an extremely dope album or getting signed to a label everything is just about telling your story and everybody's story is priceless because nobody else can live your life. So,
0: that's black lit. Awesome! I love it. I love it. And man, we were naming off some of those, uh, some of those acts that you've got to to join on stage. Man, you're you're like um, laying out those names from my teenage years. Man, I love it. So, um, and it, and it's all because you said yes, right? So that that's the even bigger yep, thing. All because I said yes. And
1: I also, one of, one of the most important shows I ever did also was one time opened for Mortal Technique, And um, he told me something, that a piece of game. I try to give people as much game as possible. And he gave me one of the most important pieces of game for any artist to ever live by. And it's that you never go into a situation without three things. Always something that you did, something you're doing, and something you're doing after that. You always go into a situation with three things. So that way you always just think about the idea. For you to have three things, that means you've had to have done something. You have to be doing something and you have to have a plan about something else from that. And uh, you have to believe in what you're doing in order to have those prerequisites. So, you know, that's another, another piece of a game that just came to my mind that I really wanted to make sure it's part of that journey too. Cause that, that, that talk, that conversation changed my life. Definitely.
0: Yeah, man, you're throwing out stuff, man, that artists that are listening can really take and, and, you know, put into practice here. The thing that I think is fantastic as far as your story, as well as that, yes, you're an artist who's achieved things, you know, in your musical career, in your musical journey. But, you know, for some people, it's like, okay, if if I can just be an artist, if I can just make music, that's all I need, and that's fine. But for you, there's a lot more involved. You hit on a lot of the different things. I mean, you know, you talked, you've done a TED talk. You know, um, you've. You're an educator, which is something that you and I have in common, man, and, and I'd love to ask you about. And that is, I think, here, I, I don't know, the, the past couple years, I, it's just really hit me the more I've gotten into my educational journey. And as I look at it, you know, over the past decade, I think you start seeing that connection, you know, more widely across the board, is there's this connection between hip hop and the world of education that's kind of sprung up, right? Um, in, in your opinion, like, why is that? Like, how how is the hip-hop world and education come to kind of grow together when, I mean, I think there was a time where people would not have expected that to be the case.
1: Oh, I, I got a simple answer for you, man. I, I taught a, um, I taught teachers at University of Richmond one time through a nonprofit and the Joan uh, the Arts School of uh, Continued Businesses. I taught. I've done it a few times, but I um, taught a group of teachers, K to twelve, and the going into that experience, I was like, "How is it that uh, I'm doing this when I'm not a person who has a college degree?" But also, why am I doing this, and why am I good at it? And the answer came to me while I was doing it, and that is because my man Lonnie B. He He, put, he was like, "Yo, he made this observation: every teacher is an MC." Every teacher is an MC. That's, that's, people talk about like my teachers were Nas and Wu Tang and DMX and Ice T. Like for me, like listening to those artists gave me so much. Pac, all that kind of stuff. But Fiona Apple, you know, all kinds of weird things. But every teacher is an MC because they're standing on the stage, which is the floor, and they're in front, it's the elector or whatever, but they're, they're still, they're speaking and they're, they're engaging a uh, group of people and they're giving them information but they're also guiding them towards a path of understanding As an artist our goal is to convey something so that it's understood that's why a great hook is is such a powerful thing because it, it, it's the path to understanding when you know the hook to a song and that song has a strong hook and the verses are attached to that hook in a fashion to where the message is consistent, you immediately can take that little brief snippet of music and it becomes emblematic in your mind. And the best teachers, they do the same thing. And that's because it's understanding. So teachers have brought hip hop. I've taught arts integration curriculum to help teachers bring that logic and that perspective into the classroom. And the other thing is that in a hip hop show, the crowd, everybody's equal. Everybody's there for the same thing. And in school, everybody's supposed to be there to learn. So when you find it can unify people through purpose and remove any sort of dated social cast that might've been you know, shackled into that group of people, you can actually help them find themselves further by removing that those boundaries and enamels. And that's what being a teacher allowed me to even learn and understand more myself and then improve my game as an MC. But also being an MC allowed me to keep even stronger. So I think that is the that is the underlying id behind why education and hip-hop come together so well and the other side is that in hip-hop it's it's a prerequisite for you to be creative
0: yeah man no i love it and you know i try to obviously as a fan of of hip-hop i try to you know put put that into the classroom where i can it's it's not always easy because You know just the the district that i'm in and 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 stuff you know it's definitely like a rural district and stuff so um i guess what i'd like to ask you is like how would you approach or what would you say to like an administration that may be hesitant to the idea of bringing hip-hop into the classroom like like what's your message to them
1: I'll put it how somebody put it to me. One time I taught a student and they gave me a card at the, their parents gave me a thank you card at the end of our our year. And it said, thank you for showing us that hip hop is about more than a bunch of expletives and and crazy talk. They had, the administrations have to be willing to expose themselves to hip hop culture and not just rap culture. And they also need to look at it from different perspectives and recognize that being somebody who's extremely proficient in freestyling allowed me to really find a way when I was coming up in those ciphers I realized the reason I love being in a cipher so much was because ciphers require equality and respect even if it's jokes or blah 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 like there's still the agreement that we're going to respect each other and we're going to let each other speak and be heard and we're not going to judge you on whether or not you, you got on the track somebody might rhyme better than somebody else at that moment over a certain kind of beat or whatever but We're going to respect each other and we're going to build something together. Those are things that all bring respect to the table and shine the most when they're done with love. And with those two things in the classroom, ears and minds are a lot more open. And people feel like they're not being talked down to all the time. Because that's one of the things also. When I was a kid and I was in school, I always felt like a teacher trying to talk down to me.
0: Yeah, man, and I want to talk about um, the TED Talk you did. Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you were gave that TED Talk to students, right? Hmm. Okay. And it uh,
1: tells me, ironically, I was voted for. It, yeah.
0: Oh wow, that's what's up, man! Like, uh, for, I mean, because first of all, I mean, just what is that experience like being part of a program like uh, the TEDx program?
1: Oh man, it's uh, it's weird and. I, I always believe that I'm fortunate that whether you want to call it the universe, God, or whatever, I get I get things put on my path. When I, and that's why no other way it came to my mind so much is because sometimes it, it, it often feels like it's always the hard way, but it's really my way. And the TED system, you know, is is a tough a tough iceberg, man. Because when you when you get put on the course to where you know you're headed for TED what happens is that they they say you have to have a coach, they say that you have to do a rehearsal, you know they they want these visual elements, all these things and when you look at my TED talk, you realize there was none of that. I didn't plan my TED talk. I didn't write it down. I didn't I didn't, you know, do any sort of anything before it really. I just got up and talked. And uh, I know I wouldn't advise that for a lot of people, but that's how I get down. So that 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 TED talk they, made, they they definitely gave me, and this is the other idea aspect of Ted that's incredible, is that none of that is to say that they ever want to compromise or make you diminish your identity. And so I was really given the opportunity to be myself and to share my story, my point of view, and do it my way. And I never disrespectfully was like, I'm not using a coach or blah, blah, blah. I was just like, yo, this is what I do. And um, I, I gave two TED Talks, as I always tell people. I gave the one that, that I gave to the people who were putting it on on the rehearsal day, and then I gave a completely different one the actual day of the TED Talk. So it's a, uh, it, it's a, it was a very intimidating experience, but I had, I had to have faith, man. And I used my skills as an MC to, uh, to get through that. I always tell people as well that when I did that TED Talk, I got on stage and still had no real idea what I was going to say. He said I wanted to slow down the rate it was that talk. And I um, I looked for the connection with somebody in the audience. And I, I connected with somebody, and then I blacked out. And then it was done. And I was like, well, that went however it went. It went exactly how it was supposed to go.
0: Yeah, man. And, and one thing that you talked about in there, and, and you mentioned it um, just a second ago, but it's this idea of now right and i think you know people can hear that and make assumptions right where oh well we gotta be must be talking about you know being in the moment and, and you know whatever there. Yeah. yeah yeah um but but when you're talking about now you have a, a different meaning to that like I- expound on that just a little bit
1: well the um the thing about life is that we always when we don't like what is, the first thing we look at is, what well, what isn't? What, what could it have been? You know, we hypothesize, and then we diminish the value of our present, and then we ultimately contradict our existence by wishing it was some sort of other way. And that takes us away from the moment. Right now, the present is tied to the future, and all my gains are attached to very serious losses. So I looked at my life, whether it was my father getting incarcerated and sentenced to prison, or my friends dying from drugs and you know DUIs and all sorts of other things being, for instance, being incarcerated, all these things were lessons that brought me closer to the proximity of the fire but also told me that my path it's going to be the way that it is and the more I fight it, the more I'm not going to be able to be who I'm supposed to be, who I am already and um, that means making that decision to do it now and to be it now but also seeing that in life there is no other way There's no other path, there's no other... We can't reverse time. We can't make the same decision twice unless we want to make the same mistake twice. And we only learn that lesson once. So if time is the currency or the price, then why would we waste our present on duplicating our future with further uh, disadvantageous results? So, you know, that's kind of where my mind was at when it came down to now, is just like... I, uh, i rather got to learn something without having to make a mistake, but I've made plenty of mistakes and I've learned a lot of important mess- like lessons and messages from seeing other people make mistakes, but I would not have my life be any other way. I wouldn't, un- I wouldn't, you know, the, the most important moment that really made me understand what faith is and also why I believe so much in, in now is because when my father was incarcerated, you know, when that happened, he, he was a man of no faith and he always maintained his innocence, he still does and that incarceration led to uh, him finding God, so while people would say, well don't you wish your father was free, I would say, am I in a position to wish away a man's faith, you know, that's, that's, that's the reality that we face as people, my father's path is his path, mine is mine, but who am I who am I to speak on that so it's like the only alternative is that there is no alternative because all there is is now so yeah no other way man we, we, made, a, we made a brand we made a brand around that and uh, that helped me uh, that's how I ended up connecting with Strange Famous even further too but yeah like always has been man and I can the other tip I can give people is when you get told no you know that's when you're supposed to say well what now and, you know, and, and then now what because after you say what now you decide to do that and that's when they gotta question it because it's already done. But you know, don't stop at the O, oh, man. Work your way to that W. That's where the wins are at, and that's where the, the next step is at. There might be more losses, but at the end of the day, the person who has the most to gain is the one who has nothing to lose. And I, uh, I, I, I travel light, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you, tra- you travel light, man. But you got these uh these sayings and these um insights man that carry a lot of weight with them man so people need to hear it you know uh another one of those that i heard in a different video that i was watching with you um where you were talking about you know like what happened with your father and it was you know discussing your journey to sobriety um but you were talking about adding by subtracting uh like just just kinda of discuss that a little bit and like what that means for you and your life and I, I feel like it's something that can definitely apply for artists as well that they can if they really take time to do so.
1: Yes, the uh from a, before I even personalize it I will say it's a lot like fast rap. People fast lyrical miracle rap, lyrical miracle spiritual, blah blah blah, like all that stuff or, or what people say is is technical and proficient yet not pretentious all these complexities are uh are, are are tiny compared to the power of simplicity and the only way you can simplify something is to learn and understand its complexity and so socially you know getting sober what that does is when everybody realizes you're not the guy who's got it all ready to get, you know, to get it in with, and also when you're the guy who doesn't, who's no longer making them feel comfortable in that presence, like, because if everybody's in a accord and we're all on this path to destruction, then yeah, we're going to go there. But when somebody's like, nah, I'm good, it makes it just throws the rhythm off, you know? So what happens is that you add to your life by attracting people who don't add to it at all. And you add your music when you take away so much of the, uh, extra stuff. And yeah, it might be something you're into, but you got to recognize that you're already enough. And in life, we continue to add layer after layer after layer of, of complex problems that we could, we could solve with simple solutions. Just get rid of them, man. Get rid of it. Get rid of them. Get rid of the nonsense, you know travel if you travel light you'll move so much further and i always tell people i believe in abundance and what abundance means is that there's no loss there's no gain everything already is yours everything has already happened. everything is happening so the moment you start to possess and the moment you start to pick up and you start to carry is the moment that your hands eventually become too full for you to give you to receive the blessing that you'll get that you really need if you're taking care of all these wants by the time you get what you need, you're like, "Oh man, I should. I can't hold it because I gotta. I, I didn't put any of this stuff down. It's weighing me down. I can't reach it. You know." And that's the um, that's the big thing. It's like you can get a ticket to the flight with an empty pocket, but the moment you show up with a bag and they tell you it's thirty dollars, taking fifty pounds of whatever, so you got fifty one, you're kind of in a problem. You're gonna have to leave it all behind or stay there with it. And that's what I did with people. I realized that I got to add to my life by subtracting people, distractions. Uh, nonsense, toxic behaviors. You know, I got to break as many of those cycles as possible. got to rewire some of the thoughts that I have. And that's what I constantly did. And I found that I could do so much more by doing less.
0: Yeah, man. For sure. For sure. Well, guys, again, joining me on the 520 Collective phone line is Black Lick. Uh, we're loving the conversation right now. And, you know, one thing I want to pick your brain on is is radio and how that has changed and why it's still important in today's you know music industry especially for hip-hop i guess you know first shout, shout out to the, the stations man like i know i think you're involved with a couple of different ones so so give them a shout out
1: yeah number one of course and like i tell people all the time as well i'm on wrir 97.3 fm that's wrir.org also for the online stream and archive and then I'm also on WDCE 90.1 FM, which is University of Richmond Station, a college radio station. And um, that's WDCE.net. I do a show called Hip Hop for the Rest of Us on Saturday nights from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. on WRAR. And I do a show called Hip Hop 101 Monday nights from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on University of Richmond Station. I'm also the Hip Hop Programming Director for University of Richmond Station. And so what that means is that I only, not only as a DJ am I empowered to play people's music, but as a uh, hip programming director, I'm able to put people's music into rotation. And then also share it with my other DJs and service those records. So I say all that to say that if you're listening to this right now and you're a hip hop artist, feel free. I don't play R&B and all that, but if you're a hip hop artist, you can go to my Instagram, for instance, which is B-L-A-C-K-L-I-Q. All my social media handles are the same. It's all blacklist. That you'll see on my profile, as a post highlight that says send music. And you can send me your music and I'll check it out. And chances are I'll play it or get it played and um, you'll be on the radio. But, but of course, you do have to have a clean record without curse words. Or, and you can clean your record in the studio. You can have somebody clean it, which we'll get into. But that is what I uh, do with the shows that I'm on. And that's it's been incredible. I've been doing it for, I think, over 12 years
0: now. Yeah, man. And I think, you know, one thing that jumped out at me was, you know, just the time slots that you're in, right? I mean, it's not necessarily that prime time, right? You're, 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 you're late night, you're overnight, uh, in a way. Yeah. Like, like, what is it about, you know, that where that would maybe be a little bit of a put off? to some people you know because because they want to be you know where the majority of listeners are um but but what kind of drew you to that and, and where you were like man i'll take that spot no problem
1: yeah the uh i can do more i believe we can do more with the people who are there for us than trying to be heard and people who don't care i tell people all the time if you're a lyrical artist why are you trying to why are you worried about with with you know little babies doing like if you're and I don't mean like lyrical like he's not lyrical but I mean or, or why are you worried about what black youngster's doing when you're an artist who's trying to rhyme the Nas audience like you know you go you go to the people who want to hear you and then you worry about trying to connect with those other people because Lil Baby has a lot of important things to say but you're not going to reach somebody who listens to him fanatically as quickly as you're going to reach somebody who listens to Nas or Immortal Technique you know and so my thing was okay I'm a late night person I and I'm passionate about my music. And if, if college is about being heard, what are people doing? When, when are college students up on Mondays not doing something or doing something not supposed to be? Probably around 11 o'clock. And then on top of that, people who are busy the first day of the week for work is Monday and they're off work by nine o'clock or by five o'clock. And so by five 30, hopefully they're home or 6 or at 9, by nine thirty, ten o'clock, they're hopefully home. That gives them an hour or gives them several hours to unpack their mind. Chances are they're still wide awake because it's the first day of the week and it sucks. And what do they want to do? Hear some good music. You know, Saturday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., the station's located downtown and that's when the club lets out. So so 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., the club let out. You're on your way home at the club. When you just left the club, you're an artist you want to come in and have like a, an experience after your show i'm there i got booked for a show i can still play any gig and get to the station about 1 a.m so that's another reason why i did it because I, I was literally i do a rap show and then go do my radio show right after i take part of the crowd with me to the station and have a, a two-hour cipher. anybody who's an artist within the crowd bring them in you know what i
0: mean yes sir yes sir yes sir and i and i know that you know Another thing about you is that you just, you, you work, you know, that, that's what you do. So, um, you got to respect that for sure. Um, I think that the, 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 interesting thing for me, you know, with radio and I'm a big believer in radio cause you know, growing up, that's, that's what it was. Right. I mean, that's where you could hear the new stuff. I mean, with that other than turning on and watching like MTV or something. Right. But with, you know digital streaming and and everything that the way with the way music is consumed now um you've got some varying opinions on some of these ways to get in contact with music right like you got some people who think that radio is dead right or if not dead they just don't view maybe radio as that important and i feel like if you're an artist and that's the outlook you have on it you're really still missing out on a very valuable opportunity when it comes to radio now you know may however you believe may you either believe that DJs still break records or you don't i don't know i don't care regardless of of your thought there it's like dude there's still There's still a potential fan base that you can tap into that you're not if you're not getting your music in front of these stations, right? Um, Like, what, how do you feel on that, man? Like, whether it's just about how that shift has happened or just the way that artists are looking at it, and like, what would your response be? What message do you want to get across to them with what radio can play in their progression as an artist?
1: Well, you know. The, uh, the thing is, is one, I think a lot of artists have no idea about how publishing works or what non-interactive media versus interactive media is, what a PRO really does versus a DSP. You know, what is, what is Spinatron? What is Soundage exchange, What is, what is, you know, BMI or ASCAP? These are the things that people throw out and everybody's like, you should own your masters. They don't even know what their masters are or whether or not their masters have any sort of value through a path of exploitation. So there's a lot of music industry aspects that, artists remain ignorant and simply off the principle the other aspect is, is that radio is nothing more than a representation of choice you know radio by and large FM radio internet radio even is um is non-interactive media that's why certain PROs handle it and um your DSP your streaming software your streaming source instead that's something that's interactive media that's for you as a consumer select what you want to hear every person in this era of social media and multimedia being in the palm of your hand is having so much power over choice yet, but kind of very little influence over what you're offering beyond where the algorithm responds to your choice. All of it is built around every person being their own broadcast entity. And so what happens is that to, simplify that example is that imagine what you what your life would be like if you controlled everything you encounter every day you only saw what you wanted to see how much would you really know about a culture or about anything about birds about food about any any aspect of humanity is limited by the spectrum of, of living solely by your perspective and what radio does is it creates a very hard-to-acquire opportunity for you to be heard next to somebody that you'd never be next to artist-wise and then in the same stride by that consumer. I used to love saying that I'd take, I would play, I'd go from Waka Flocka to Wu-Tang and I'd make the two blend together and, and seamlessly transition from one record to the next and you find out that a Wu-Tang fan likes Waka Flocka and you find out that a Waka Flocka fan likes Wu-Tang. Well, these are two completely often combating forces of the aspect of hip-hop and quote-unquote rap. You know, so that in itself is an opportunity that a lot of artists don't get. And also, a lot of artists think it's an inevitable thing. It's like, when I get to that level, you should be at that level at this point when you're starting the game. You shouldn't be making music that sounds any level of quality... Uh, less than what's being put out there, because when you're out here in the game, when you're on a DSP, if your sound quality doesn't sound good, I tell people all the time if I have to move my uh, the mixer up five dBs or you know uh, up up or down on the board to play a record. I'm gonna do that, but 90 percent of these these other DJs are not because the, the overall volume of your record determines the um you know whether or not it can consistently blend. With somebody else's records at an industry standard and those standards constantly evolving. But I say again that it comes to choice and people who submit their choice to choose a station. When you're on, when you're popping on the internet and you're doing all this, you have yet to cross over to the non-interactive media because those are people who are looking for you. Whereas radio allows you audibly to be seen. And you have a whole new cast of of peers who you don't even know. It's literally the opportunity to stand up and be and stand out in a crowd. And I can't tell you how many times people who I know who who would totally crap on the idea of radio, when they hear something on my show they like, they'll say, yo, who is that? Or they'll pull out their own way to cut away a tweet. They'll shazam it and be like, yo, what record is this? And then they'll add that to their home playlist. So there's an intermingling even through that creative aspect and that user-defined um experience of what is selected to be heard. That any artist who thinks um, that radio is a waste of time or is dead is missing. And and yes, definitely DJs still do break records, and they uh, they do more than break records. They break and they reinforce personalities just as much as any other like no jumper or something, any other platform, because all these different audiences. Whether they swell or shrink, they have dedicated listeners, and also radio is a, is a qualifier. If your record is heard and supported by iHeart, if it's picked up on that, if it's done by by stretching Bobito, you know if Sway's playing your record, you immediately a status like this message with you. You immediately are qualified to be heard in all these other areas. You are now a peer, even though you've always been a peer. Because you appear, you're now a peer. And that means that you can say, "Put that respect to my name." And and also, you know, that is a um, a reason why I tell every artist when you're in the studio and you got an engineer when you when you're bouncing your record, make sure you bounce out a version without the curse words too. Dub the lyrics out, dub the curse words out. Because that way you can every DJ who hears your song, since that's hard, they're "Let me get a copy of that." You send it to them. It should have a DJ pack that's a clean version, so that it, your music can be heard in all these different markets. That you're ruling yourself out. It's self deceit. It's just stupid to be like. It's like going to the laundromat with a pocket full of hundreds when the machine only takes dollar bills.
0: Something's got to change. Exactly. Exactly. And, and and now this is my opinion. Um, so you can let me know what you think. But you know, I feel like one thing in this era of of DSPs and people putting so much focus on being on Spotify and and Apple Music and all this stuff is that while that's cool. Um, they're missing out on building not only a target art audience, but missing out on connecting with their local community as well, where you can get some true support there. Especially when mm-hmm. you're you're well, you a have hundred thousand streams and can't sell
1: ten tickets.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if you can tap into your local radio, man, that can that can give you a big boost right there to just get it that local support behind what you're doing with your music and, and pe- for whatever reason, there's a lot of artists not making that connection and connecting those dots there. And and it, I don't know, it, it's kind of confusing to me as to why that's happening. Oh, I, I
1: got, I got a way, I got a way to explain that to you. And they, and the two words are in common in it, and that's media. But the difference is, is that people think social media counts as media training. And they're they're two completely different things. As somebody who's worked in media, I can recognize who's a media-trained artist and who's not, especially when I watch an interview. Or if I, and like a lot of these artists, now that they come around, they have no idea how to market themselves, how to build a relationship, how to communicate. They've never sent out a press email before. They've never read a press email before and that's that's one of the keys of being in directly involved with the distribution of your music to radio stations not only do you have to believe in your music every time you hit that spin button you have to get used to rejection and you also have to learn how to support and carry the narrative when you do get elevated by being on a broadcast entity and i think a lot of that is missed because artists want to constantly stay in positions where people can't tell them no and it's a scary disgusting terrible world out here man but that doesn't mean that it's a world where you're guaranteed to lose you're gonna have to lose a lot you know but so what it doesn't it's not the end of the day because somebody told you no and or somebody said they don't like your record send you can send a d-day another record you, you should, you're an artist you should never be running out of music you can constantly come up with new concepts and new ways to execute and to present yourself in the best light that you currently are and with the best sound and I think a lot of these artists are scared of that. They'd rather look cool than show who they are and do it in a way that they can't control. Like, I had a guy say, yeah, you can interview me and then I'll edit the interview. It's like, why would I ever do that? It's a, such a contradictory me- mentality. They don't understand that podcast is like long-form talk radio with an interactive media selective process as well. Like, they don't, they don't want to do that because... It, it, it means that you are not in control. When it gives you more control than ever, if you know who you are and what you're doing. And I think that's why it's, um, that's why it was so important to me to learn to understand how radio works and to be part of a radio show and part of a radio station. And that's what kept me and keeps me showing up every week, twice a week, is that I know that what I'm doing might be a penny and might pay less than a penny when I spin your record in a lot of cases with the way these things plan out but there's relationship currency that's built there there's the power of the concern of the consistent relationship I have with my audience with my artists with my with the people who come to the station in and out a little bit less since through the COVID but um all those things man are, are what what make radio such a precious thing and you got to, at some point, man, it's just like music. I tell people all the time, your music belongs to you until you release it. Then it belongs to everybody else. So I, a lot of times when I record music, I'll ride around to it like all the time. And then when it's time, I, once I put it out, I don't listen to my music anymore. I listen to it by performing it. But um, I don't listen to my music anymore once I put it out because it doesn't belong to me anymore. It's for the people. You know, it's what I was on. And now it's your turn to enjoy that, to grow with me so you can see where I'm going. And a lot of people don't see how radio is such a key way. I remember, remember back in the day when an artist would drop a single and it would put it in your mind who they are. And then that next one would, would show you what they're about even further. And it helped you build this idea of who this guy is or this woman is. And then you get their album and you'd find out all these things about their life. Like, that's how we used to build artists. And now... We do it with a thousand posts, but at the same time, that radio radio thing and and that media training, and what you get from building connections and relationships with your radio, and it doesn't have to be the big station. It can be the one in your community because chances are those are people who are actually passionate. WIR raises a ridiculous amount of money every fund drive that I'm not going to disclose, but it's a lot, like way more than you would ever imagine a station in Richmond, Virginia, That's independent would ever be pulling in, and they pull in a ridiculous amount of money. And people tell me all the time, I don't listen to rap when I when I do a fund drive there. They're like, yeah, I don't listen to rap. Or when I'm when I'm out in in Richmond and I'm like, yo, yeah, you know, I'm on WIR. I do it, you know, I do hip hop, blah, blah, blah. They're like, I don't listen to rap. And I say my show. They're like, oh yeah, I listen to your show all the time. You know, that's radio. That in a nutshell is radio. And that's why it's so important. And that's why it's so important to be part of your community. When you do a show, you should be contacting every, every radio station in your city and giving away free tickets for them to, to do giveaways. Like, stuff like that. People aren't thinking how to zigzag the way. You know, a zigzag is still a uh, connection to straight lines, man. The crooked path is straight in that sense. And um, radio, like, I was able to do so much off of just being connected to the radio. I could aggrandize any situation. You have a show... It's a small show, it's an intimate affair, but you want to go ahead, you want to make sure the public knows about it, give them something for free. Do a giveaway, give away two tickets, you're letting five of your friends in, why can't you let two of my radio listeners in, who would never heard of you possibly, that just want to dial in the phone to win something, you know? Like, these are huge marketing opportunities that artists are just missing out on totally, because they think that a thousand likes is going to be something for them.
0: Yeah, yeah well and i mean you know so many artists are struggling trying to figure out you know i have no idea who my target audience is and but you're too bit too busy trying to you know grab the attention of people you are probably never going to meet when you're overlooking the opportunity to really connect with people right there you know that you can truly interact with
1: you just you just hit the nail on the head man i tell people all the time
0: the easiest way
1: to gain a fan or to gain a supporter or for somebody to know something about you is to offer them to, offer to do something for them. Don't tell somebody, oh yeah, I got a song out, you want to listen to it? Instead be like, hey man, I'm an artist, I'm doing this. You know, I'd love to, to post something about you on my social media. I would love to, to see, to share, have you share your opinion on my music or anything to involve people because you artists are so quick to forget. That you're not a normal person when you're an artist because you want to share your life. Your life isn't on public display when you're born. Nobody gets, nobody cares about you being
0: who you are
1: until you start caring about it and, and figuring out that it's something that you want to share with the people. And like I don't understand a rapper who has a, a social media profiles and they're on private. Like Those are the kinds of things I see. You're a rapper and you tell me about yourself and then I try to follow you and I have to request. So which is it? Make up your mind. Are you out here or not? You know? And you know, if you want people to know you, the best thing you can do is get to know them. Like why are you so concerned about having that leverage? It's like uh it's it's like in Star Wars where you know, he Anakin's jumping at Obi-Wan and, and, he, and Obi-Wan's like don't do it, man. I got the leverage. I'm going to cut you down and they just do it anyway, over and over again. And then they get mad when they ain't got a leg to stand on. And it's like, yo, know, you're defeating yourself. You know, view the room, run the terrain. And, and most of all, don't take the people in your community for granted because the people in your community they feel just like you because they live in the same community as you, man.
0: Exactly. They're exactly. Like they're. And and I wanna I wanna do a, a, a short follow up here. Um it, it, I don't know, it, it may be two parts, um, however you wanna answer it. Uh but you talked about you know obviously making two versions of your song right making a radio edit to get to djs and i think that's a great place to kind of start but say i'm an artist and and i've done that right i've made my song i've got the edit it's this is what i want to give to radio where do you point that artist to as far as like those initial steps at that point i mean obviously we don't have to go through the entire process but just how do you get them started in that and I guess the second part of it that would kind of tie in a little bit that you were talking about, you know, uh, just getting better on the media side of stuff as well. Like kind of where where's a place that you would kind of tell them, hey, you know, if nothing else, start here with with the media side.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no I, I got to I got a pretty. Let's see. here. The best way to say it is this. OK, number one, when you're in the studio and you have your you got your record, make sure your clean version is completely clear. I mean, listen to it. And make sure that it's clean, and complete. Listen to it several times. And also, when you get a clean version of your song, listen to it low, because um, chances are somebody's hearing your music in the background. You want to make sure that it sounds good low, and um, you want to make sure it sounds good loud. A lot of engineers trick artists into thinking their mix is good just by playing their music on extremely loud on, on high high quality speakers. Play your song in the car before you leave the studio. Make sure that it, it sounds good. Um, number two, though, is once you do have your track complete. You need to figure out, number one, you should definitely try on your own, I think. I think every artist should go through the miserable pr- process of sending individual e- emails to different radio stations. Even if you have a uh, copy and paste portion of the email, you should try to find a way to personalize each individual or station or whatever it is that you contact. Meaning, um, don't spam somebody with links. Send an actual email to them directly. Be professional when you contact them on social media and say, hey, I've got a record. Don't tell somebody your record to hit. If your record doesn't have millions of plays, it's not a hit. And even if it does, it's not a hit. You know, if you were, if it was a hit, you wouldn't be sending the record. You'd be getting asked for it. So unless they're asking you for it, it's not a hit. So treat it as such. Say, it's, your music, is; it may not be a hit, but what your music is, is an opportunity. Both for you and for the audience to hear it. For the person who's playing it. Because every DJ wants to be the one who breaks the record. So if you got a hot record, say, hey, listen, this is my new record. Make it quick. Have a quick, succinct intro. It's personal. And then put your record on there. Make sure the file name is straight. Everybody, don't send bounce out number A underscore mix underscore fire underscore. No, it should have your name and then it should have a song title and it should say clean. That's it. Because you want to make, you want to take out as many organizational steps as possible for you to be on the radio. The other thing is that, of course, if you don't know what to do, typically that means you need to figure out who to pay. And who to pay is not. The radio station or to think that you run up on the DJ and slide them 250. I've had somebody offer me a thousand dollars before to play their music on the radio. And I'm like, dog, I'll just play it for free. Like, calm down. You know, if you want to give me, if you want to, yeah, if you want to spend money, pay the, give the station underwriting money and support a cause like that you have, like pay for ad space for somebody who's doing something in the community, something like that. But, um, what you want to do is you want to people to know the term. The term is called servicing. If you cannot service your record yourself, and even if you have and you've got limited results, it's time for you to put together a budget and service your record. Meaning by now you should have a video for it. You should have a look for it. It shouldn't be too old, even though you know at this day and age we do have a bigger window now. But you should have a video out for it. And um, if your video if your views are low, then that's why you wanna have your servicing campaign at the start of it so that they don't look at it like, your record's been out for a year and you only have twenty views, like Nah, like you want to put these things together, which means planning, but you want to make sure that you contact the servicing company, you find out how much a campaign costs, you ask for what what are the, um, not guaranteed numbers, if somebody's guaranteeing numbers, it's fake. You want to find out what the real numbers are as far as, hey, what can I expect? What's the window of this? What the duration of the campaign is? And you have to have, I hate to say it, have a budget. In the music industry, consider all your money already spent. And just say, how much am I willing to spend on this? And things go terrible. That's your budget. And then from there, figure out how to contact a um a servicing company, present them with your record, see what they think, come to terms on a budget, and then see what the campaign does and see how much of that campaign you could have did yourself. And then do it again. And and then also at every show, you should be performing your song. You should be you should be performing your number one song. You should be campaigning around it on your social media. You should be doing everything to point people towards the song, but you shouldn't just be randomly DMing them with links. So like, those are all the steps that you should take when you um, just even start, when you decide to uh, drop a, a, a song. And also, I can't say this enough, man, especially with social media. You, you, you can't cut corners on artworks. Don't pay the local graphic designer if all he does is look like he uses paint unless it's in a stylistic way. Find somebody who can actually do a good piece of artwork for you and also get some good press photos of yourself. Not just you holding a mic either. you should not be holding microphones in your pictures. Everybody already knows you're rapping. Like we get it. But find you know ways to uniquely present yourself in a professional, high resolution fashion and present your product appropriately and then temper your expectations. If and then the last thing I'll say is that if somebody plays your record, like every song I play, right? I'm I'm a little different in my world because every song I play on the radio, I tweet. Every single one. So like Whoever it is, I'm going to find your social media, which is why it's so important to have your names be as uniform as possible. But I'm going to tweet you and then I'm going to screen cap it and I'm going to put it on Instagram. Typically, I do that for Saturday nights because hip hop, I mean, when you do that many story posts, Instagram your. uh they, they turn off your privilege. But temporarily. But I say all that to say that um, when somebody plays your record, you should never just like it, retweet it, shout them out. You know, make sure that uh, the, 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 not only your audience, but that the person who's playing your record sees that it means something to you. Personalize it. And don't say the same personal thing every week. Like, it feels really good. Every week it feels really good. Nah, like, you know, celebrate it. But that person didn't have to. Whereas when you use your phone and you're on Spotify, you choose what you listen to. A DJ, most of the time, chooses what wants to be what they want to play. Even the DJs who are on the big stations, They have a small, like five minute window where they can stick something in there. They choose to do that. So celebrate that somebody chose you. And that's the, uh, that's the big move. Even if you're only on one station, just one station, celebrate that. Follow that person's show. You know, like that's, that's really what this is about. We're not in this game just because we feel like it. We're in this game because we're passionate about it, both DJs and artists and creators. Like that's, that's the whole point. If you're not willing to put your passion into it, you're just better off as a
0: listener. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And man, I know that we have had you on here for a minute, man. So I want to, you know, try to make sure I'm not eating up all your time. But I do want to maybe ask this real quick. Um, you talked about artists, you know, send, submitting music to you for your station. Just like whenever you get those submissions in, like, what's a couple of things that you're looking for? From a record that you that will make you think, man, ma- maybe I'm going to add this to the rotation.
1: Oh, oh, yo, this is this is great. Um, <laughs> yo, I hate it when somebody emails me their song and I have clear instructions and you followed none of them. Now, me, I might hit you up. Everybody else I know was deleted. Um, your file name. Why do I got to rename your song? I told you how to name it. Why do I got to rename it? You know, like that's another one. Is your song actually clean? If I play your song, why do I randomly hear the N word in it? Like these are all things that you're doing. If you make it to the point where you're like your email, I I prefer that you don't um, attach the file. I prefer that you have a link on like, you know, on Dropbox or something because my mailbox fills up all the time. Like it's always at 98 or 99%. So. Attachments go a long way because if I gotta quickly delete some stuff, I'm just gonna look at your email. If I don't dig it, if I click on it on your song real quick and it doesn't catch my ear, I might delete that email. You know, the um the thing that you just want to always make sure you do is you send an email, brief intro that's maybe two or three sentences. You want to immediately get to the artwork, all the social media handles, and then and you want to have that link, preferably um below the artwork. And um your your cover work sure that your your image it should have the um and again an image typically is a very small image i mean file size it should have the the name of the project and the name of the artist or the name of the record you should declare it you state that it's clean and you should definitely send a positive source of follow-up say hey you know like check in on it and when you do get played contact back and say thank you you know stuff like that goes a long way because this is a very being a dj is a very thankless deed a lot of times you know it's like being a parent practically as they say but um those are all things that you can do as an artist to give yourself a favor like one of the um not to go too long on this but one of the, the people who really really in the past two years influenced my view of radio is chad kangas also known as Chaz rap he was on our uh, Go 95 3MN out in Minneapolis. And he, he did a show back when that station was still up called First Impressions. And every show was about breaking records, about putting new music in front of his listeners' ears. And he did it with such passion that like I was so excited. As a person who's been doing radio for like 10 years, I was still so excited when I had my music presented by him. Because he actually cares. And when you actually... When you deal with somebody that you know cares, like please respect that and support more than when they play your song. Support their show. I used to tell people all the time, you want to get on a on a hip hop show on a stage, you should you should be promoting the show like you are on the show, even if you're not on the bill, even if you're not on the next three shows. You should be promoting that anyways. So you got time to look at, at almost naked ladies on the internet, but you don't have time to go online and and retweet somebody's music or, or retweet a, a radio show or listen to it consistently. You got time to binge watch a whole series on Netflix, but you don't have time to listen to somebody's two-hour radio show and then, and then they get hit up the DJ about the playlist to show that you actually care equally. Because like, if you don't care, why should I care? That's, that's the, the ultimate determining factor. Like if you don't care, why should I care? Like at all. Just like you ask insightful questions to show that you took some time to think about it. That makes me feel great, which means that makes me really focus on giving you answers that, that mean something, and it also means that your audience, who hopefully is, is already in tune with how important your perspective is and how engaged you are in presenting the best quality questions, everybody is in a bubble of where they're already past the point of accepting what something is and they want to really know about it and why and walk away with, with their version of understanding. Like again, if you're not willing to lead with your passion instead of just your enthusiasm and your entitlement, you're not, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I mean, that's, that's like as somebody who's interviewed hundreds of people by now, myself and done just as many interviews about myself, like I really appreciate the time that you've taken to ask real questions and have a real conversation with me and treat me like a person instead of just a product. And I think a lot of people, don't realize that at the end of the day just because you're somebody who's making music and you're a rapper or you're a singer or whatever and you really believe in your record you need to recognize the fact that you believe in yourself but also the person that's going to be playing your music or exposed to it is a person before anything else so treat each other like humans man like just try to look at somebody's life and recognize that you're asking for space in their life and that's and then, then spacing their attention span and watch what happens when you do that over time not just when you do it once but when you do it 99 times that 100th person it might be the one that actually shows you that yo you are right you know you've been doing right by all these others and then those other people they might turn around and be like okay I can't tell you how many times I've played a song and because I played it somebody else is playing it
0: guys I hope you're listening to what was just said because nowhere in there was Black Lake talking about you know a a sonic part of your record right it wasn't about oh i'm just listening for the the hottest track right i mean i'm sure that oh yeah no not at all yeah i'm sure that plays into it at at some point along the line but that's not the 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 big impression i guess is how i'll put it oh yeah no,
1: if you um i'm telling you now man is uh if you're a great person you have a great personality You know, just like how Gucci Mane said, you know, you could have a jam in a month, but I ain't listening to music if I don't respect your character. Like, if you have great music, you know, and you and you you come at me cloudy and disrespectful, I'm not gonna play your song. But if your music is okay, you know, it's good enough. You know, it's good enough. But you're great. You're great at supporting. Then yeah, I'm gonna definitely play your song because this is the thing: is that if you're running around saying you're the best, I know you can't get better. But if you're running around saying, hey, this is what I got for now, I know you can always make better music. And I want to grow with you. Because as you grow, everybody else around you is going to grow with you and they're going to go with you. They're going to be my listeners just as much as they're your listeners. You know, that's that's the whole point. And when you, when you come around trying to make a record that sounds like everybody else's record, why am I going to play your record that sounds like somebody else when I can just play the person who already does that better than you? Like... I've never understood that. I used to write reviews for RV and Mag and I used to tell people in their reviews all the time. I'd be like, I'd put out there, like, yo, I hear I hear Meek Mill, I hear Kendrick Lamar, I hear um, you know, a little bit of Nas, you know, I hear some Pac, but where are you? Like I hear all it's great that you can rhyme like all these guys, but where are you? And and that's that's like that's one of the biggest things, man. The the sound like factor right now that's going on. They, the radio doesn't have an algorithm because it's ran by people. So, like, I, I, I ask you guys, please do not make songs that sound like somebody else and think that's going to help your cause because it's not. You should not be a
0: type artist even if you're on a type beat. Yes, sir. Man, Black, I, I I love just what you've brought to the podcast, man. Um, you know, I, I think I'll definitely be wanting to reach out in the future and have another one of these conversations and hopefully you'll be open to it because um, most definitely yeah man there, there's just been a ton of, of gems on here man that, that I think if people are really listening and artists I'm, again I'm talking directly to you right now you're really listening hope you're taking notes and then you're taking those steps to put it into practice right because uh, especially when we're talking about the the, the, the Christian hip hop space right Christian rap while there's been strides taken, especially in the past decade, as a whole, as a community, as a genre, we're still not there. So, I want to see you guys getting better. And this right here is ways to do that. So, uh, man, Black, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Again, shout out, um, you know, whoever you want to shout out. And make sure you throw out your socials and all that good stuff, like where people go and support you, man.
1: Once again, um... First off, my social media is all the same. Twitter, Facebook, all that. It's B-L-A-C-K-L-I-Q. Black Lick. One word. Um, I do want to say, if you're an artist, hit me up. I'm always down to talk. I'm, I'm not going to talk to you on the phone, but I'll definitely talk to you over social media. We can do some DMs or whatever. I, I'm, a, I'm a big text message person, so I'm not trying to be like, you. I got leverage. I'm just saying I'm just not a big phone person often, you know. This has been a fantastic, wonderful conversation, by the way, but... I'm just not a big phone person. But I would love to communicate with you and also have my words in front of your face so you don't have to remember what I said. You can look at it and say, that's what he said. Uh, number two, um, internet-wise, people you should follow are um, Rap Coalition, which is Windy Day. You should follow Blame the Label, which is Amir and Bessie. Um, you should follow, uh, let me say, including the atmosphere, of course. They are, you know, that's typically, which you, if you want to see what's possible when you dedicate your life to the game, look at Rhyme Sayers. Look at Sage Francis. Look at Strange Famous Records. Ram signed too. Look at um, people who are passionate currency, People like that who actually really, dis- regardless of what you may think of their music, Tech Nine, Strange Music. They've all decided to build things one step at a time. Try to consume things on social media that inspire you to try to reach for your goals but recognize that you're going to get there one inch at a time it's just it's rare that there are any shortcuts you'll work twice as hard trying to find a shortcut towards your goals but um then just taking the steps and doing the work. but of course again it's Black Lick my album is out right now on Strange Famous Records it's called Time is the Price I'd love if you listen to that but regardless I'm glad that you listened to this and made it this far and I hope that you will contact me so we can carry on a conversation further and um I would love to tell you what I think of your music. And um, at the end of the day, remember, Christian hip hop is still hip hop, which means that the truth is universal and it's evident. And you know, you might have more spirit in it than somebody else, but regardless, the thing that, that is always gonna be there is you. And if they don't wanna hear one part of it, there's still a whole lot about you that they can hear. So find that balance find ways to to really make sure your message is clear and that it's not exclusionary and always keep the face and be focused and positive in what you do because at the end of the day it is God willing is the start of another and that's an opportunity
0: and that's it that's it right there so um, guys, again, we want to give a shout out to all of our episode sponsors, including the Bookkeeper Twenty Four Seven. Make sure you go check them out at tbk247.com. And yeah, man, giving you guys a shout out for tuning in and supporting this episode. We will catch y'all on the